Welcome to the Government Technology Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Hunsicker. In this episode, we discuss how the Department of Defense agencies are using software factories to speed up software development processes using agile methodologies like DevSecOps and automated testing. Traditional waterfall development methods are time-consuming, ineffective, and typically result in security being bolted onto the software at the last minute. However, by using software factories and implementing DevSecOps practices, defense agencies can significantly improve the speed and security of development processes with an iterative approach that integrates security measures at every stage of development. For our conversation, I sat down with Mav Turner, Chief Technology Officer of DevOps at Tricentis. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Thank you for joining me today, Mav. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Lucas. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to get into our conversation. So I'll start off with the first question. So why are traditional waterfall development methods no longer viable for the Department of Defense's current IT modernization goals? Yeah, it's a a really tricky conversation because when we look at how we can modernize, there's so many challenges. Um, you know, it's not one simple thing that you can easily fix. There are super long project cycles when you do a waterfall project, right? You have to have this massive planning stage. That planning stage typically doesn't uncover everything that you need to find in order to deliver that product. And because that time goes so long, you actually diverge from the problem you're trying to solve. So those long project cycles that typically come with a more waterfall approach really just don't set you up for success at all. Um, you also don't really have the ability to shift those workloads and handle new requests and inbounds. And so as you learn, as you build and your customers use the service, you, you, you change. And, and what the technology was available three years ago, five years ago, um, which is compared to what's available today, just, just it, it, it evolves so rapidly that you're basically building in tech that you're building out something that's that's legacy before it even gets you know, goes live. It's also just an inefficient use of resources. It's really stovepipes a lot of the, the the team, the people, and so you can't have the whole team working together. Typically, more agile development is is more team sport uh, versus a more process heavy waterfall stage where you one team one one role does something in one stage, then it goes to another stage, such as you know development builds it, then they send it to the QA team and they test it, and at that time that development team might be idle or might go off to do another initiative or project and then come back. And so you lose that cohesion as a team and limits that 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 value and that flexibility on those 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 projects. I mean that flexibility point is probably the largest one, right? If you want to be successful with one of these modernization initiatives, you need to be able to move quick. You need to be able to understand what's in the current environment, make adaptions live. And it doesn't mean you have to do it every day, right? I think a lot of times people go from these extremes. They say, oh, this is this five-year, seven-year waterfall project, and then we need to shift to shipping every day and, and, and re-changing our priorities every day. And that's that's not really the, the, the case, right? The goal is really how can we frame what we're trying to solve and then chunk out that work into smaller increments that you can deliver and provide value and get feedback such that by the time that that whole initiative is complete, you've actually solved the problem as opposed to doing a bunch of work, finding some project that that's failed, right? Which is what we typically see there. So that flexibility is super key in, in any modernization initiative. Yeah, absolutely. Does Waterfall have a place at all in, in the Department of Defense's IT? Or is it simply just a, a thing of the past where Agile is now here to stay? 
So I think there are some cases where the the cost of failure being so high warrants a higher investment risk. So, and, and typically when you're looking at a lot of these waterfall projects, again, they're more expensive, they're slower. In some cases, some mission critical systems do require that level of overhead is the word I'll use. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't shift. Again, it, it, there's this kind of real binary conversation. It's either, you know, waterfall or it's agile. And, and the reality, when you look at a lot of development teams, whether that's in, in government or in private practice, you tend to see a little bit more of a blended mix. And so the question is, you know, what's the appropriate process to use for that specific mission? And I think that's one of the things that's, that's super important. So it's, it's, there are some benefits to, to waterfall when you're thinking about this system cannot fail, right? Okay, let's spend extra time, extra regression cycles, extra testing cycles. Let's make sure that we've done a more analysis, right? That iterative approach may not be possible in some applications. Um, but I do think in the vast majority, 80% of, of the modernization initiatives inside of IT could benefit from a more agile approach where you have that incremental value that's getting released, that you're you're teaming on these projects, that you're able to have these smaller, shorter cycles versus trying to complete the this whole big program or project in one in one big go. So in general, I think that you know Agile is going to be the, the right solution in these these organizations, but there's there's a case to be made for for some systems using a heavier planning approach that that may look more like a waterfall approach than an agile approach. Yeah, that makes sense. It definitely is a case by case basis. So let's talk a little specifically about DevSecOps. So what are the benefits of leveraging agile development practices here? <laughs> you know, all all of these uh, names, DevOps, DevSecOps. As we as we go through, the main thing we're trying to convey with these terms is how can we work together best, right? And so what we're what we're doing is bringing everybody together as a team, trying to reduce the silos and and not have to like bolt something on later. So with with the transition from, you know, DevOps to DevSecOps, it's okay, well, we were doing development and then development was pushing off to ops and then now ops was giving something that they couldn't manage. And so they, we tried to, you know, shift left, pull all that in together. So then you get DevOps. And then with DevSecOps, you know, security was a, was kind of afterwards. We said, well, we can't have that. We have to have security built in. So that means you got to bring the security team into that design and build stage. And so now we're all just teaming together. And that's really the 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 goal or the benefit that I like to call out when we talk about, you know, some of these practices. Like, what are we actually trying to accomplish? We're trying to get the the right team together at the right time and and reduce silos when you use those technology or those processes and practices you can typically release software faster and reduce production issues right so instead of it being again stovepiped and okay we've built the product now we test the product and now we you know run our security scans when you embed those security however you want to find product security people, uh, the security development team, the you know AppSec team, whatever resources you're using there, when you embed those members of the team in that early stage of the process, and then you have your tools in your pipeline so that you can actually accelerate the the, the time so you find those earlier, that that's the, the real value there, right? Versus, okay, you've built something and it's been three months and now you're actually trying to, you know, find 
where that security issue relates back to the code change. You got to start over the whole thing. And so that's the, that's why that, that, that approach is so powerful and allows you to move so fast, right? It's finding the earlier you find it, the cheaper and faster it is to fix it. And so that's what it looks like and the, the benefits there. So we can talk about reduced development time, uh, more secure, higher quality products because you're finding those earlier because you're you're thinking about things differently um, the whole because as, as, as a team you're bringing all those unique strengths again that's that it all comes back to teamwork from my perspective when I look at these things and when you operate as a team you typically have better results right and, and a lot of that comes not just with the the the, the technical process of integrating all of these into your pipeline and and having that as a regular shift left statement, but really more just thinking about them earlier on. And what you see is it ends up up-leveling the team, right? When you have a really good product security team working with the product development team, doing these kind of DevSecOps practices, everybody gets stronger and better. And the result is that the the, the output, the product, the service that you're delivering is it just is significantly more secure and stable and and solves the problem of, of the customer on the other end there. So let's talk about how software factories enhance the DoD's capabilities. But before we do that, can we start with just a brief definition of what software factories are? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an interesting term for a couple of reasons. Um, the The software factory concept kind of gets some 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 negative press in some areas and 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 some positive in another look. There's a lot of value in process and a lot of value we get from taking a more regimented process to say, okay, how can we produce something at scale, right? How can we take some of those concepts that come from a production factory, right? A car manufacturing, a, a, a physical equipment manufacturing line, which allows scale, it allows uh, consistency, it allows vol- you know, volume of production, and it allows you to reduce the complexity of getting these things to market, right? Um, and so so those, there's a lot of interesting principles to get there. But typically, knowledge workers don't like to classify themselves as factory workers, right? They're, they're saying, I'm bringing some unique skill set here. And I, I, I don't think that those should be in, in opposition as much as they are, right? Saying, hey, we're trying to create a reliable system and process to deliver a high quality service or product to the market. And so when you do that and you think about some of the, the practices and processes, it's very different than when I, what we've been talking about earlier about how to te- how do teams work together um, and, and go tackle unknown problems. That's very different than, okay, I've got my one siloed role. My job is to you know bang this hammer at this part of the assembly line and, and, and get it out. But the, the, the concept of how do we ensure quality and how do we ensure consistency and how do we ensure that we're we're meeting our our kind of objectives is there's a, some of those practices absolutely can be brought over from that 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 mindset and so again it's about how do you increase production um, and and maintain that that quality i'd say we're still really early in in that that stage i think a lot of a lot of teams uh, struggle to deliver that um, capability deliver that capacity and there's some big progress that's been made um, you know the air force's kessel run initiative in 2017 that was amazing to see like how you can really transform how you think about and how you deliver software but you know the, the marine corps just just getting started with some of this when some of their first software factories under a new pilot program and so different different groups are are trying to take a lot of those capabilities the, the important thing, I hate to say it like this, but it's really this simple is like 
being intentional about what you're trying to improve. That's the real objective here. That's where the real value comes from. And if you're thinking about how can we improve this, how can we accelerate platform updates? How do we integrate our existing systems? How do we leverage new capabilities? And you put structure around that and expectations and manage it, um, then you're gonna have improvement. And, and that's also one of the core concepts that you hear a lot um, from a DevOps, DevSecOps perspective is continuous improvement, right? That's that's key. It's For me, it's teamwork and continuous improvement. How do we get better? How do we take what we've learned and 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 move forward? Yeah. Okay. So, what what like came before this concept? Like, what what was there? Like, th this sounds like a mm. concept around you know structure and processes and and constant improvement, right? So, what was the idea that preceded this, and how was software development done for this in uh, the public sector? Yeah. So, great question. When you think about the the history of software development and and you know because all of this is 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 you're absolutely right. all this is in context of that right all of this is okay well what were we why were we not doing this before what did we start off there's a couple of different ways you can take it but in general uh, if we don't go too far back to like the the beginning beginning we go like to the previous stage about what, what we were trying to accomplish it was the waterfall method the the more trying to expect the outcome of the more physical manufacturing process from a software development process, um, but not really knowing how to do that. And these initiatives that required so much complexity, um, but we did, that was underappreciated, right? It was just not understood. And, and so we said, okay, well, let's, let's treat this like we would anything else. And the software development industry and practice was not sufficiently mature to apply the same physical analogs to those software ones. So we're trying, we were trying to use the same things that we would have done for building a new tank or a bomber, or, you know, some initiative. And again, this is where you get your massive waterfall spreadsheets and Gantt charts and okay, this this person does this unit of work. And the reality was we didn't know how to estimate. And we probably still don't really know how to estimate very well, honestly, which is where a lot of these these practices and chunking the work down into smaller increments really makes a big impact. And so because we didn't have a baseline and the ability to consistently predict what we were going to do, that's that's where you get all of these failures and whether you're doing development or whether you're just doing IT in general, uh, because that that baseline didn't exist. And so as that industry matured, then you started to develop these practices and expectations and timelines. Because when you're doing something for the first time and doesn't exist, you're kind of making it up. You don't know how long it's going to take. And so in in now you you do it several times. Okay, now we've got a pattern. Then everybody goes to the playbook. But the difference there and the reason why these these kind of newer methods are being used is because the technology is changing so fast. Right. Uh, it's not the same thing when, again, the physical analog, it just takes time, much longer time to ship things, to build factories, to, you know, do all of that, get materials compared to what you can do with software. And so all of the underlying pieces, the foundational pieces in software change so fast that you can't really establish that same repeatable pattern and, 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 and pump out copies. Right. And I think that's one of the key differences when you look at why we struggle with software and why we struggle with IT and systems. You, you can kind of stamp it out for a little bit of time and you can say, okay, we did this initial, we did this project. I got my great project plan for, you know, rolling up a new data center. Great. And, and, and you know, there's some things there, but then when you do applications because of the components changing, the, the underlying services, the frameworks, the languages that are being used, the need to reskill labor, not in a 10 year and 20 year timeframe, but in a 
one to three year time frame, even the university system, as far as providing education to do that, is, is struggling to, to keep up. And so you see a lot of experiments there. We won't go down that tangent uh, too, too, too far, but um, but I think those are some of the unique challenges that, that if you look at how we what we were doing a couple of decades ago compared to what we're doing now and how we've tried to evolve and, and recognize the very dynamic nature of software and and therefore use these continuous improvements, these chunking out work, valuing the team, um, the team effort as opposed to some of the, the previous models. Yeah, okay. No, that makes sense. So where is the DoD in Add in, in terms of launching more software factories and how do you see this progressing out in the next few years and perhaps evolving beyond this if if it's possible to create a better processy than the current concept of software factories? You know, one of the trends that becomes really interesting in the context of a software factory is the composable applications, no-code, low-code applications, what they're tr- what we're trying to accomplish with those is can you make these reusable components so that you're stitching together services versus having to build everything from scratch? And when you do that, that allows you to build applications faster, right? You can bring these in, you can, you can combine them, um, you can build on top of these platforms, and it's just different ways to put together these different pieces and and different outputs that you're looking for going to different people. And, you, and so you can kind of really customize that. So I do think that that trend, that no-code, low-code, you know, platform as a service, all of these things are coming together in a way that, that should accelerate and enable more factory, you know, software factory models for DoD, but it's still very nascent. And a lot of the things that we see in the public sector that 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 are making uh, moving forward really quickly are are just taking too long to get into to DoD and to other um, services just from a security compliance um, environment standpoint. And so there's still a lot of work that has to be done to get there. But I think that will be the big impact as those low code solutions uh, become available within DoD to accelerate a lot of these. Um, software factories and enable them to to move fast and to build solutions in a much quicker way. I think that's gonna. I think we'll continue to do some of these uh, these other initiatives where we're trying to figure out how to how to build faster, how to you know team up and 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 continue to evolve. You know, we had DevSecOps, platform engineering is another kind of trend in how you think about building products and services that, that will evolve and will continue to evolve. I think to your, to your, your comment, yeah, it, we, we definitely haven't figured it all out, right? We don't have the solution to everything. And that, that, that need to constantly reinvent, this comes back to that same theme I've hit a couple of times. Like that's why, that's why this is hard. And that's why there's so much effort and energy going here because we're still creating and the foundation underneath us is still changing. So, um, so quickly that it becomes very difficult to, 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 to be successful here. And that's why you got to bring all this together in a way that sets teams up for success. So what we will continue to iterate with the, the, the practices that we think about and processes about how to be successful here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll continue to iterate and, and refine ourselves in, in, frankly, everything, you know? <laughs> that, that, but, hey, that's why I love this industry, because you get to constantly do that. I have friends that, that said, I don't want to be in IT or software anymore, because you always have to learn something new, and you always have... That's why I love it. Um, and yeah, it's not going not gonna to change at all. Yeah, it's part of the challenge. It's, it's yeah. fun, right? <laughs> exactly. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how does this this commitment to agility and and all the areas you know we've talked about from dedicated dev environments to the adoption of agile methodologies how, how does that benefit and support the warfighter 
Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's what we're that's what this is about, right? That's it's fun to talk about technology and build it for for technology's sake, but if it's not actually getting into the warfighter's hand, if it's not giving us an advantage, then kind of what's the point? And I think really what what it allows us to do is maintain our advantage, right? So when we when we don't invest here, when we when we fall behind, when we're taking too long to get those new te- technologies to market, we're just going to have adversaries that that are not constrained that right that are able to move quickly they are able to build new capabilities faster and and then therefore become more vulnerable and so needing to be agile is is key we have to move forward and we have to move quickly because we need to make sure that the warfighter is equipped with the most up-to-date and relevant technology right i mean it's it's, it's very simple and and technology comes with problems as, as we've discussed and making sure that we can move that technology forward that it works <laughs> that it's not vulnerable that's the only way to ensure we maintain that advantage and so that continuous development that continuous improvement um, are all what's 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 key and it allows uh, the DOD IT systems to deploy innovative tactics and new technologies, right? If that, that, that's, that's the, how we, we do that. Um, because like, look, everybody's, everybody's trying to do this and trying to figure it out and trying to be, get an advantage. And we believe this is the, the most scalable way to achieve that result. Before we wrap up, Mav, do you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, yeah, I guess one one kind of main point here because we talk a lot about development and building, but it it's the that quality component that is really key. So I think most of our conversation has been about speed and scale and innovation and 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 a little bit about security. But if you can't ensure that your that the quality is there and that the thing actually works when you need it, uh, th- th- then you're going to be in trouble. And so making sure that when you think about development and design the systems, you're thinking about how can I test it? How can I break it? How can I make sure that it works in all of these adverse scenarios, right? It's one thing for it to be working in my nice air conditioned office, you know, in the in a major city with a good internet connection. It's another thing to make sure this application works in the field. It works uh, low bandwidth or no no internet connectivity, right? Or, you know, every six months you get to come in and, and get connected. So like those components of quality are critical in the design stage and throughout the entire development process. And I think that, um, you know, we, we talk about the development team, the security team, the operations team, um, and look, security is a, is a, I mean, a quality is a component of all, of all of those. And, and you have to be thinking about, is this application working? Is it working at the scale that it needs to work at, right? Did you build it and, and did you test it anywhere near the environment that you expect it to be in? and environments you didn't expect it to operate in. And I think that that's, that's the difference between success and failure. You can build the app, that's fine. But if you're not thinking about how it's gonna break and, and ensuring that it works as expected and that when it fails, you know how it's gonna fail, then you, know, you haven't really accomplished very much. So you really have to, to think through that and that quality mindset starts at the beginning. No, yeah, that makes sense. There's, that's typically, right, like a, a whole dedicated team of like trying to break the, the application. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's fun, right? It's a fun job. Like, you know, it's a, how can you make this thing not work? And when you do that and you do it well, the results are astounding and um, and everybody's better. So, well, thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today. This this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Lucas. Appreciate you having me, and um, yeah, I look forward to maybe chatting again in the future. If you're interested in staying up to date on the latest best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for leveraging innovative technologies in federal, state, and local government, be sure to visit governmenttechnologyinsider.com. 
I've been your host, Lucas Hunsaker, and until next time, so long.